All right. What's up, everybody? How are we? Yeah, that's what I like. Get fired up this morning. You guys are always pretty wound up at this service. This hour, there's something about, maybe you guys are more awake, but you guys are always kind of geared up. Hey, welcome. My name's Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors on staff. Let's do two things. Let's welcome all of our first-time guests, and anybody watching live right now, we want to say welcome. Glad to have you guys. Uh, last hour, I thought it was kind of funny. I had someone tell me that they had several of their friends, like eight ladies in a vehicle on their way back from Biloxi watching live. Let me just say this. If you're on your way, way back from Biloxi, Biloxi, you do need to watch church on live. So, right? Okay. And if you have any money left over, we need a tithe button at the end of that, this little seminar here this morning. So, hey, well, welcome. I'm really glad to have you guys this morning. If you, this is your first time, uh, my name is Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors, and you are at the very end of a series we've been calling Team My Church. We've been talking about great teams. Last night, if you watched, uh, we got to see, I think, an era uh, that has ended of one Michael Phelps, who swam his last race last night. Did anybody catch him saying that that chapter was over and then kind of cut to the camera and say something specific to Ray Lewis? Did you guys catch that? Ray Lewis, who played football, by the way, gave Michael Phelps a book by Rick Warren called Purpose Driven Life, and Michael Phelps became a Christ follower last year while he was in a hospital bed in depression. Yeah. So he looked in the camera and said, Ray Lewis knows what I'm talking about, as he's talking about there's a new chapter of his life. How cool is that? How cool is that, right? So this morning, kind of segueing from that idea, we're going to talk about invitation today. Before I jump into invitation... Uh, I've got a shirt on today, and I'm going to give away a couple shirts. I'm wearing a shirt that says Third Night because uh, on the back it says, if you can't read back there, it says basically uh, after the third day when Jesus rose from the dead, uh, people probably had an incredible party once he rose back from the dead, right? And so we've got something that our church is partnering with, another church called The Ridge, a good friend of mine, Jimmy McElrath, pastor, my church is partnering with the Ridge, and have invited several other churches all across our city to do a once a month on the third Sunday night of each month, a huge, huge, crazy, awesome student ministry night uh, to where we're going to blow it all out. Like, we're going to bring some of our youngest guys in our band, some of the young, older guys, they don't make it. Uh, they're only letting young speakers, so I don't think they're going to let me in to speak, but I'm like, I'm cool, I'm growing a beard, come on. And they're like, yeah, but it's gray. One guy this last week uh, said, hey, nice goatee. And I said, no, it's a full beard. Thank you very much. <laughs> so uh, so uh, they, they might let me speak. But it's going to be a just crazy, fun, awesome night full of all kinds of fun, cool student ministry. They're going to do some awesome music, I think, like ours, like this. That's the whole goal. And to roll the red carpet out so that every student in our city could connect with God. And so uh, that's what I'm wearing this shirt for tonight. In fact, uh, I gave all the shirts out last hour of these, so I have none left. So I'm going to give you some of these. Anybody like these shirts? Yeah, that's what they said last hour, too. I gave these out last hour, and everyone loves these shirts, by the way. So I was supposed to say that we've got all new sizes in. So if you've been wanting to size we were out, I've got it. So people are already standing up in the back. You think I'm going to throw these out? Like, wow. Yeah, like catcher's mitts are already out right now. So let's just say, if you, who wants a shirt and you don't have one? All right, there we go, right there. Uh, I got to go deep, so let me try to avoid a fan. I'm going to go deep in the back. I'm going to go overhand. 
All right, you, sir, in the back. Oh, that went short. So, get, hey, you, you, the girl in the front got it. If, if those sizes don't fit, if I throw out, like, extra large over there, just trade it, okay? Trade it in for another shirt. And by the way, uh, we do have these killer awesome shirts. If you're new, they say no perfect people allowed. It looks very patriotic. It's in the shape of a flag. And it says uh, MCC, My Church Columbus 2016. So that's kind of like our cool 2016 shirts. Uh, if you don't have one, man, we, people have been wearing them all. I've, I've seen people everywhere with those shirts. I've even kind of seen a little bit of like a uh, people tweeting and Facebooking and Instagramming saying I, my, like T-shirt sightings. So you can continue to do that. That's kind of cool and fun. So, all right, invitations. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about the power of an invitation. You are a recipient somehow of, a, of being here because of an invitation. In fact, let's not wander too deep into this, but if you're on this planet, it's, be, it's been because someone invited somebody else to do something, hopefully a lot of dates and marriage, but you're here because of an invitation. Uh, I'm married because of an invitation. In fact, today is, on this day, my 23rd year anniversary. So I have... I have the most incredible wife. Baby, will you stand up? Or you were already on stage, but if you, will you stand up? Because I just said it. You don't have to. You don't have to. Hey, she is so hot, by the way. So hot. She is prettier now, and I'm more in love with her now than I ever was 23 years ago. So if you allow me to be cheesy, I'll fit it in the message this morning. But if, if you allow me to be cheesy for a few more moment, moments, I'm going to tell you a couple quick stories uh, the way I met Christy was uh, she, her roommates and my roommates knew each other because they were all from the town of Lynchburg, Virginia. I was not. I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, and so all summer long as I stayed, uh, stayed in Lynchburg working a job, I, I ran a landscape company for a guy, uh, my roommates kept on saying, you've got to meet this Christy Heinzen girl. She is awesome. She won't date any of us, but maybe she'll, you know, she was like, she was like, the, the, the girl everybody wanted, right? She was like awesome. She was like a sweet girl, godly girl. Like guys, go after the good girls, I'm telling you. That, it makes a big, big difference later on in life, right? So I, I, uh, they, her roommate somehow gave me an idea. And so she was flying back into Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, flying like on a plane, landing in a little, you know, it's like the size of Columbus, the airport. And so I had this stupid idea of, of like trying to weasel my way in to meet her. Uh, and I, I, I kind of would, would have done anything, uh, and I was, it was when I was in college, we did some, a lot of dumb stuff, so I wasn't always the wisest, but I thought, I'm just going to show up, and I'm going to act like I'm like a shuttle service. <laughs> and so I stood against the wall with a, a newspaper op- open, and I had like some, I don't know, like, I don't know, whatever I tried to look like. It's dumb I get, I, I mean, it's really embarrassing to say, but I had a newspaper open, and she walked by, and I was like, hey, uh, Christy Hudson, I'm Jeff Murphy, I'm part of campus security, and um, I'm supposed to give you a ride this morning back to, and she's like, what, really? And so I think her roommates drove by a few times, and she was like, what's going on? So finally, I, I got her in my car, no shuttle service, no, <laughs> if, you're, if you're someone's daughter right now, don't ever do what, I, don't, don't say yes to a guy, but it all worked out, because, yeah, I don't, I don't know quite why I told you that story, but, but, but all through an invitation, uh, we're here today. Uh, and shortly, probably about a year and six months after that first conversation, I proposed to Christy on top of a mountain. Like, guys, if you want to know how to do a proposal, come to me. 
Like, I am good at this, okay? In fact, so good, uh, it is cherished today by, by millions of people all across the globe. Uh, so much so that I, I brought today some cinematography from that very special night. I actually had a bunch of my buddies. I mean, I'm, I mean I, I'm not a plan and organized guy, but when it comes to proposing to the girl of your dreams, you get planned and organized. I washed my car that day. I, I, went out and bought, I went out and bought the soundtrack Bodyguard. Anybody from the 80s? Whitney Houston? I mean, it, at the right time, it was like, if I... I mean, I mean, she was like melting in the seat. She knew something was up. I had this big green jacket on with like a big fat red box. It was like inside and it was like, she was like, hugged me and she was like, I can feel a box there. But we drove up to the top of this, what was called the bald spot, or the backside of the bald spot and rode horses up to the top of this bald spot that had this just grandiose view of the sun going down where I had a bunch of our friends waiting with a video camera crazy buddies of mine and crazy Chris, friends, Christy, uh, Christy, my sister, and just everybody was up there filming, all, filming off in the distance our engagement. So I'm going to show you a real quick clip. Y'all just have to be cheesy with me for just one. We were goofy. I mean, like, you, just watch. Okay. <laughs> our friends were goofy. All right, here's the mountaintop. <laughs> so all this is going on, and we're riding horseback about, I don't know, we've, rid, we've ridden about 20 minutes. We finally show up. I get off the horse. I've sat there for like, an hour, and they're, they're wondering, like, when is he going to propose? So finally I got to it. Get to listen real carefully. <laughs> oh. So I think they clipped it here a little bit, and it shows us, like, after they all come running out of the woods... They're like, yeah, Murphy, way to go. This is us. This is us. It'll, it'll, you'll see our face. <laughs> if you couldn't hear that, I said, she said yes, Dr. Heinz, and that was her dad. That's also don't say that after you, uh, yeah. So I'm a dad now. A lot of things I would have done different. So here's, here's what I want to say about that. Do you realize that um, every intersection in your life has been an invitation? You're here because of an invitation. Some of you, uh, there's some of the best things you've ever experienced happen because you said yes to an invitation, right? Some of you, you're thinking about an invitation, you're going, I wish I'd not done that, <laughs> right? Some of you got some major regrets with some defining moments in your life that happened by way of, like, you saying yes to the wrong invitation. And so I, I want to just, I kind of want to just stir this idea up of an invitation uh, for many of us 
can change everything. An invitation can change everything in our life. At a moment's notice, us saying yes or saying no or offering the right invitation can change everything. In fact, you have the power to change the trajectory of someone's life through a single or a series of invitations. Let me just say this morning, uh, the, the reason we launched this church, and we've been going through this series called uh, Team My Church. The reason we launched this church was to, was to very succinctly and clearly launch a church for people who were not churched. Because when we came to Columbus, uh, Columbus didn't need another church. There's lots of churches. What Columbus needed was a church for people who didn't do church, right? I mean, we looked around and we, we saw the stats, and you think Columbus, Georgia, uh, being a, you know, a southern town, like everybody would know Jesus, and we're all going to go to heaven, but no, truthfully, just the opposite. We found out 86-plus percent of Columbus, Georgia, is not in any church and does not attend any church, not connected to God, almost every Sunday, 86 percent. The, the, stu- the student statistics is even worse than that. There are less students in church than ever before. The culture has shifted. The culture has changed. It's even now more prevalent than ever that there needs to be a church like my church that really goes after people who are far from God. And so, honestly, my wife and I, we feel like God has has led us through a series of invitations in our life to get to this place that God led us to Columbus, Georgia to launch the kind of church for people who don't do church. And so for our future, our lifetime, we know God's, God's, God's called us, God's led us, God's arranged it, that Christy and I, our, de- our, our decision is and our dedication is that we would leave this church to be the kind of church that we would roll out the red carpet for every man, woman, and child who is far from God. And for us who are Christ followers, for us to play a role in that, to be a part of this invitation. So we, we launched my church, and I, I remember the, the reason, the, probably one of the biggest reasons this was stirred so strongly in us prior to coming to Columbus was I was on staff at a church in Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, a church that I had, I had you know, kind of grown up in while I was in college days, uh, and then after a series, of, a series of years of being in full-time ministry, got hired back at this church, and at one time this church was the largest church in all of America. Uh, several, several thousand, probably 10, 15,000 that were on, that were in church while I was got to be on staff, uh, at this church. And I remember, I remember being the, a guy on staff and like then, like being like in a, in an executive role on this staff. And I had friends that lived around us that became buddies. Like, you know, we mountain biked and we lifted and we'd go to the lake. And some of those guys I would go hunting with, I had a, a turkey hunting buddy that lived, lived across the street named Jack. Jack was like my best hangout buddy. But Jack wasn't a church guy. And the church I was a part of was perfectly designed and doing a great job of connecting with people who were churched. So our church had zero attractability to my friend Jack. And I can promise you there was, there were, Christy was with, with me so many times that I'd be, I'd be you know, having to get my, my church clothes back on. Back then I had to dress up. Uh, and I would, I would get ready to go outside, and I'd say, there's Jack, he's mowing his grass. I wish he would come to church with me. And so, I mean, for, for months and months and months and years, I would try to get Jack to come to church with me. Jack never went to church with me. But yet, yeah, we were best buddies. 
I would ask Jack, and he would give me all types of excuses. And what I found was over the years with other friends who I got to come to church with me, I would watch them squirm often. I'd watch them show up, and all of a sudden, I'm not, I'm not like Jeff, the guy on staff. Now I'm Jeff looking through the lens of my guests. And you know what it's like when you show up with your guests, all of a sudden you're looking around going like, oh, man, I hope the parking lot's clean. I hope the parking guys aren't goofy or weird or, like, like are too friendly because, you know, that's weird. If, like, hey, welcome to church. You can come across to I hope You know, I was like, I'm looking at every, everything different because when I would have a friend come. But, but so often... Uh, I remember feeling so awkward because I would watch them squirm at stuff, weird stuff. Like, you could just imagine, like, you know, here's like a 30-year-old guy, uh, dude, sitting shoulder to shoulder with people. Uh, and we love to sing and worship around here. We love, we love our, our rock and roll band. But I remember seeing friends of mine sitting there, and I remember he- hearing conversations like, uh, what is this? Is this, uh, like, why does everyone got a question? They're raising, I mean, that guy's got two questions, right? I mean, I mean, I'd hear stuff. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're so out of touch. We're so out of touch. We, we don't, we're so churched, we forgot what this even feels like for the person who's not churched. And so when we finally came to Columbus, Georgia, we said, listen, we're not targeting church people. I think when Jesus dropped down on the planet, his point wasn't they're already churched. Now, you know, it's kind of different for Jesus because, I mean, essentially, most everybody was far from God unless they kind of understood the whole Jesus thing. But right after that, right after Jesus got on this planet, I mean, he began to stir stuff up. I mean, you look at the way Jesus preached. All of a sudden, he's using examples and pulling, cult, like leveraging culture, leveraging what's going on in the world, the farming and, and uh, you know, the mountainside and how he communicated was creative. How, how he talked was, was unique. I mean, he, he talked differently. He pulled people into conversations. And all of a sudden, Jesus, like, just kind of messed up the religious world to some extent, right? And so I remember us launching this church and, and, and seeing so many people in the early days come to Christ. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but our very first Sunday, very first Sunday, we launched this church. This building was not finished in time, so we had to launch out in a tent. It was January 30th, 25th, excuse me. And it was 30 degrees outside. And we had, it was goofy, it was awkward, I was scared to death. I'm like, this is so not how we want to launch. It's in a white tent. That's about as old school weird church as you could ever imagine, right? I'm thinking, they're thinking like snakes and like weird stuff. And I'm just like, Lord, it's not how we wanted to launch. But thank goodness, we, we were kind of living on the edge in the early days. I thought my first week I'd get fired because we played Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. It's our very first song. Because I was, I was making a whole message towards people who are far from God and people like our, we, we, our first week service, service was titled No Perfect People Allowed. That's what, that, that's what our, our, our first week's marketing was to get people to show up. And so what happened in Columbus, Georgia, on that first Sunday with 625 people in attendance, that's been the largest church launch to date in this, this city, ever in this city, and, and, and what, what happened on that Sunday showed us that God was doing, began to do a new work in a different way in our city. There was people that very first Sunday that gave their life to Christ, 60 people the very first Sunday. Over the second week, we had almost 100 people that gave their life to Christ. And what I realized was, you know what, this is what God wants. God wants us to be the kind of church that would not, never lose its passion and focus 
and turn our focus on ourselves but continue to focus on outsiders. Now, if you're part of business, you, you help run a company or you're in a company and you have meetings, you talk about uh, what your focus and intent is, you know how quick and easy you can over time lose what your purpose is. Over time, like a golf shot, every organization can kind of slowly forget what your point is. Over time, you can start serving yourselves rather than serving your customers. Our customers are people who are not yet connected to God. That's the whole reason Jesus came. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about a verse. We talked about a verse that has been a, a guide, guiding post for us as a church. Um, right after Jesus, about 20 years after Jesus' resurrection, uh, the church is in full swing. Uh, people are, are coming to faith like crazy. They're, they're ditching Jew, years and years and years of Jewish uh, customs and what their mom and dad said about God, you know, and who was God, you know, Abraham's God. They're, they're ditching that, and they're, they're following Jesus because now they've seen a, a dead man walking, right? They, they, they saw this guy predicted, predicting his death, and now they're like, we're in, man. Anytime you see a, a guy who predicts his death, who goes and gets dead and comes back from the dead, I'm in on it, right? So 20 years after that, the early church is having a, having a conversation, really kind of becomes a debate about what it takes or what you have to do to, to know God. And one of, the, one, of the, one of the hinge points was that you had to be circumcised to know God. And no wonder that the church was full of women, right? Because all the guys are like, uh, I like this Jesus, guys, but, but this is a little bit much right now, right? You can imagine like the, the, the Sunday the guy shows up at the church and they're like, uh, to do the church thing and to be a part of our Bible study, you got to get the snip, snip. And he's like, nope, good, I'm gone. I'll meet you afterwards. We'll go to lunch early, right? So this was the conversation. I mean, we laugh at that. But in so many ways, the church of today has brought in all types of customs and traditions and stuff that were well-intentioned customs and traditions, but were not biblical. And churches in so many ways have sort of made things almost unattractive because we felt like it ought to be unattractive somehow. But let me tell you, they're having this conversation, they're having this debate on what should we do and not do to let people in. And so, so all of a sudden in Acts, James, Jesus' brother, stands up. And he says some powerful words, and they all agree this is correct, and they adopt this as their guiding post on what do you have to do to become a Christian? Or what do you have to do to be allowed in God's church? Or what do we have to remove that might be a barrier to somebody's belief? And this is what James said, Acts 15, 19. He says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles are turning to God. You hear that? He says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Now, I left out a lot. I, I shared a little bit with you about what, what the tension was over. But there was a whole lot of other rules they were debating. In fact, there was 601 or 610 laws. And they were basically saying, if you don't keep these laws perfectly and, and, and you, you, you mess up any of them, then you can't be a Christian. And so what we began to learn as we began to really study that, that Scripture and understand what it meant was, for us, we, we understood... We don't want to have roadblocks. We don't, don't want to have these crazy barriers to somebody's belief. 
We don't want to make it difficult for people to come to God. In fact, we want to open our doors wide. We want to love people. We want to serve people. We want them to know the, the simple message of Jesus' death, his burial, and resurrection. And beyond that, I mean, there is nothing beyond that, right? It's all about him. It's all about Jesus and who he is and what he did for us. And so we said, let's, let's not make this difficult. Let's make people smile at the front door. Let's not make them frown. What do we have to frown about? Let's smile. We said, can we have a little smoke with our, with our band? Does the Bible say no smoke? No, no, smoke's good. Smoke's good. Can we crank it up a notch? Can, can we? And so we started doing church just like fun would be. And all of a sudden, man, in those early days, people just flocked and flocked and flocked. And many of you are a recipient because of my church rolling out the red carpet saying, come on, show up, be a part of this. So Jesus models this like incredibly well uh, with, with a woman who is far from God. Um, and, and I want to show you something that happens in this story that makes sense with us as it pertains to someone coming back to Christ. So John chapter 4, Jesus shows up on the scene with this woman who's far from God, and it says in verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me something to drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask, how can you ask me for a drink? Scripture says, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. That was kind of like, kind of the, the, the just norm of the day. We don't associate with those kind of people. They were looked down upon, right? They were kind of the lost, the least, the lonely, right? They were people that were kind of just like segments of society that nobody, nobody would hang out with. And so Jesus asks her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you, he would have given you living water. Now for us, that's kind of a cool little statement because that's what our church does. We love to offer this up as something that's life-giving, not life-sucking, right? When I, when I was a kid, I can remember being so like, oh, this is so boring. It's like everybody's grumpy. Like if this is really a happy place, how come everybody's got a frown on their face? If this is such a, such a, 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 a good thing, that wh- why is it so like just like, just steals and robs my enthusiasm. One of our statements, values, if you ever look at our wall on your way out, you'll notice there's like nine or ten values out there. One of those is enthusiasm. Because we really do believe, as Christ followers, if we really do believe, believe that Jesus rose from the dead, I mean, we ought to be celebrating like every week. It ought to be like exciting. So enthusiasm is one of our passions. We, we believe that's attractive. I, I literally know... I know some circles, and I know some Christians out there, and I don't dog them out. I just know that's not what God's leading us to do. But I know some people out there that believe the church ought to be unattractive. Like we ought to not try to help people show up. We ought to not try to make it irresistible. But I believe just the opposite. I believe we see in Scripture where Jesus, the way he connected with people, they wanted to be around him. In fact, I think Jesus, everybody he came and counted, contact with minus the Pharisees, the religious people, everybody else who was far from God, they loved being around Jesus, didn't they? And so we see this model. So Jesus, he's hanging out with this Samaritan woman as she's, uh, as she's getting a drink of water. Now he's using culture, language of the day, uh, and, and leveraging the moment of she's thirsty to say, hey, I'm, I'm life. 
I'm the living water, just as, as we kind of do. Hey, this is a life-giving church. We want to pass on some enthusiasm. We want to pass on life. So he tells her in verse 16, go, call your husband and come back. Well, she says, I have no husband. Uh, and the truth was, she, she didn't have a husband, but she had lots of men, right? She was a prostitute. This is, he's talking to a prostitute woman. So not only was she a Samaritan woman, she was a prostitute. She had lots of boyfriends, lots of dudes. Probably the perfect candidate for Jesus to connect with her because she had lots of friends who were far from God. And so who does Jesus go after? He goes after this woman. He connects with her, and all of a sudden, she says, I have no husband. And then in verse 28, we'll skip down a little further. Then leaving her water, for whatever reason, she just was moved by the moment with being with Jesus. Something about him and his message and how he treated her was attractive. Like she liked him. He was kind. He was meek. He was full of grace. And so, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town where I'm sure she probably hung her head and said to the people, verse 29, two words, what does it say? Come see. Come see. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come see, or could this be the Messiah? See, the way we have always grown here has always been through invitations, your invitations. I mean, we market, we've, we've done cards, we put up some billboards back in the day, but the, the reason my church has grown is because people like you who have, have kind of grasped this mindset that, hey, I'm not perfect, or I may not have a perfect marriage, but when my friend's going through a difficult time, in their marriage, I might not have a whole lot to say, look and model my perfect marriage, because it's not. But I have said, come and see, my friends have gotten saved. Many of you, many of you, many, many, many of you have said, hey, my finances are jacked up, or I may not even understand, like, all there is to know about the Bible. I can't quote, but maybe two or three verses at best. But I've, I've got a place that rolls the red carpet out. Would you come and see my church? And I promise you, every week I have you Come find me on a Sunday morning, and you're so proud. You're like, hey, why don't you meet my friend? Why don't you meet my friend? First time, at, first time in church today, right? That happens every week. You know, last week, we had eight people that bowed the knee. And when Christ comes back someday, heaven will be, will be more crowded because of your efforts last week. Eight, eight or so people last week found Christ because they were far from God. And so what we see in passages like this is, is is the fact that Jesus shares with us his game plan. And his game plan is for us who are having our hearts pricked and changed and challenged, for us to open an invitation up to invite people to come and see. Now, some of you are like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm able to share my, my faith with Christ. But you know what, even though I've done that, I've, I've been so excited to get them back here because then they could be around this enthusiastic service. They can be around here where people are holding their door and being kind and being friendly and can offer up a cup of, a cup of joe. But here's the thing. Many of us, many of us, you understand the power of an invitation because you were unchurched. Because you were unchurched, many of you, you, underst- you understand the power of an invitation. Because you were once in those shoes. Because you were unchurched at one time, many of you that have showed up this church, you really get the power, power of an invitation. You get it. You know what it feels like to walk in the door a first time. 
See, for, for guys like me, and I'll just pick on me, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church, so it's so easy for me to forget what it was like to be an unchurched person because I kind of grew up around it. My parents drugged me. I slipped away for a while, but my parents drugged me. And there's a lot of us, well, I would say probably half of us, that grew up in church. In fact, our stats say 55% of our church, this is an unbelievable stat, by the way. I don't know, but a handful of churches all across America that have this stat. 55% of our church had never been in a church prior to being a part of my church. That's pretty crazy. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. Like, you did a great job somehow of bringing your friends and them finding faith. But for, all, for the rest of us, about half of us, we grew up in the church. And so it's very, very difficult for us to remember what it feels like walking through a door the very first time into a church. I mean, I think it's easy. But I, I, I know this. I have so many of our friends who we've invited over the years. They wouldn't come unless they came with somebody. And every now and then you'll see people standing outside. They'll be kind of looking awkward like, uh, I'm not going in until my friend gets here. That's a newbie. That's someone new, right? So be on time when your friend gets here, by the way. So, so if you grew up in church, here, here's, here's something that I, I, want, us, I want us to hear because this, this is huge. Until you've seen this through the eyes of a seeker or a starter or a returner, that's kind of our language with people who are like, you know, a seeking God, trying to like, do I even want to know this God? I, I hear he's out there, but I don't know him, like somebody who's not a, a follower of Christ. Or, or a, a starter who's like on board, they gave their life to Christ, they know God loves them, he opened a way up for their salvation and forgiveness. They're like, okay, I'm in, this is awesome, but I don't, I don't really get the whole Jonah thing, swallowing the whale, I don't, like, is that real? They're like, is the, you know, there's just a lot of stuff they don't get, and it's cool, and they're, like a lot of us, we're still figuring out God's word. Or there are people who are returning. Like, I was in church when I was, like, 10, but I stopped. My parents kind of got mad, and we never came back. So you're either a seeker, a starter, or a returner. But here's the thing. Until you've seen this through the eyes of those people, you haven't seen and you haven't heard. Let me, I want to soak in. Until you've seen this through the eyes of a seeker, until you've seen this church through the eyes of a, of a starter, or seen this church through the eyes of a returner, you really haven't seen and you really haven't heard. Because all of a sudden, when someone shows up for the very first time and they're your guest, all of a sudden you get real serious about how things operate around here in a good way. You get real serious about the right things, that how we operate around here. All of a sudden you're thinking, man, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope the message is not too long today. <laughs> I, hope, I hope the music, they start out with this song. I hope it's, I hope it's like... Uh, I hope it's three, I hope it's two songs, maybe, maybe one and a half, right? Because, ma'am, I don't know if my dude can handle standing up for like three songs and like looking around like people got questions. That guy's got two questions, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, all of a sudden you, when you've got a guest, all of a sudden you see church, you get what we do. You get what, what we see Jesus was doing in that story. You know that story, stories like that, people who didn't get it, They were mad at Jesus for talking to people like that. They were mad at Jesus for inviting people closer like that. There's one story with another woman. She was a prostitute. She had issues also. She she would have worn our shirts, I'm pretty sure, right? No perfect people allowed. She would have worn our shirts. But Jesus went after this other woman one time, and the religious people, they were mad that she was getting closer to the Christ. They were mad. They picked up stones and wanted to stone her for her sins, and he was like, hey, 
If none of you have ever sinned, then go ahead and cast the first stone. But if not, you need to kind of chill. And they're like, uh, okay, they dropped the stones. And he said, now, go, go, go be different. You've met me. You don't, need to, you're not, you don't have to fill your, try to fill your life with that empty stuff. Fill it with me. And she went on. And the Bible says she went on. And she lived a different life. So what happens is if we aren't living this existence with following Christ through the lens of newbies, we forget. And all of a sudden, we're just doing the ritual, right? We can become those people kind of almost becoming distant from God because we're not on point with what God is doing. So here, here's what I want to say. The key, the key, the key. The key for you to remain, the key for this place to remain a place that unchurched people love to attend is you. The key for this place to remain the kind of place that unchurched people love to attend is you, for you to become an inviter. That's the key. If we start slipping at this uh, opportunity of offering an invitation slowly but surely, we will become the church we've never wanted to become, a church full of church people. And I'll just say this. The churches I grew up in, they were perfectly designed for the results they were getting. They were perfectly designed for the results they were getting. It was church people creating the experience for church people, and they were getting the results that they wanted to get. We don't want those type of results. We want people to grow deep. We want people to mature in Christ But we want to make sure we're being on target for what Jesus was on target for. And he said, I've come to seek and save that which was lost. Remember, that was was related around this whole uh, shepherd scene where Jesus got these hundred sheep and one one of them gets lost. And he says, I'm going to leave the 99 and I'm going to go find the one that was lost to ensure that the church never gets lost. And what is the point? The reason my church came and began in this city wasn't for the church people already connected to other churches. That's great. If you think our music's cool and you're going to come show up and hang out, that's wonderful. But our point is, our point collectively is that we would grow to such a place that we would reach and extend our hands out to the people who are far from God. And until we see this church through the lens of the seeker, the starter, or the returner, we'll not have seen and will not have heard. We'll miss the whole point of what God was doing on this planet. And so it's up to us to stay focused. It's easy to become focused on insiders. So here's, 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 here's something I want to I show you this morning. I want to give you three knots. Three knots. Uh, oftentimes, Christy and I will have people uh, that will share stories about them uh, and their friends and struggles they have. Or Christy and I will just hear it from friends that we have. And they'll say, hey, uh, I'm not doing so good in my marriage. Or I'm not, I'm not being a very good parent. Or I'm, I'm not... I'm, I'm not really prepared for what's, what I'm going through. I'm not really prepared for this struggle. I'm not prepared for what's next. I call it the three knots. Three knots. Three knots. We got those up there? Three knots. Uh, three knots are I'm not in church. I'm not, things aren't not going well. And I'm not prepared for the struggle I'm in. The three knots. And here's what I want us to do. Because it's so important for us to, to understand we're the key for our own spiritual growth, and for somebody else's forever. You know what hangs in the balance of all this? Somebody else's forever. You, the, the, the power of the... Listen, an invitation can change the trajectory of someone's life. 
The power of the invitation, the power of an invite to the church can change somebody else's forever, right? Just like I'm married today because of some friends saying, you got to meet Christy Heinsohn. Just like, just like Michael Phelps had someone give him a book and say, hey, you got to meet Jesus. Phelps is a Christ follower today. He talked, looked at the screen yes, last night saying, I got, a new, I, got a new, I got a new chapter of my life. How crazy cool is that? So here's the thing. When you run across people who are saying, I'm not in church. When you run across people who are saying, things aren't going well. When you run across people who are saying, I'm not prepared for, here's what I want you to say. I want you to say this, really? Like you could say it just like I did. Really? Really? Well, you should come to my church this Sunday. So here's what I want to do. Kind of on a cheese ball, I know it's cheesy, but on a kind of a cheese ball level, just to have fun with this, and just for us to get us thinking about this leading into next Sunday, because I'm telling you, next Sunday is going to be like off the chain, right? Like awesome. If you're new here, next week we're having a series we're launching uh, called, um, gosh, you guys are great. Heartbreak. I'll, I'll have it right next week, I promise. We're going to launch a series next week called Heartbreak Hotel. It's going to be a relationship series. It's going to point people who are single, who are single and want to be dating, who are single and not dating, don't want to date, people who are married, people who have been married, who are jacked up in their relationship. It's going to point people to Jesus in a very succinct, creative, my church kind of way. And when you run across people who, are, who, are, who you hear the not, not prepared, not in church, not ready. I want you to say this. I want you to say, really? You should come to my church this Sunday. Because I'm telling you what. Because an invitation or, is, or a series of invitations, an invitation or a series of invitations can change the course of somebody else's forever. So let's do this. Let's role play. I'm not in church. Hey, no, 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 no. I haven't told you anything yet. You got to wait. You guys are so jumpy. You're jumpy, all right? You're jumpy, all right? Hey, man, let me just tell you. My marriage, I'm an idiot, all right? Most guys, that's what we should start with. I'm an idiot, and I'm not, I, I'm just blowing it. One more time, one more time, one more time. All right. Hey, I just totally yelled at my kids last night. My wife's mad at me. I'm a terrible dad. Oh, my gosh. Can I tell you what would happen? All, all role play, fun aside. If that happens to you this next week, I promise you, God will be here next week and the week after and the week after. And I bet... I'll bet you $100, and we're not supposed to bet in church, but, okay, yeah, that could be wrong, so, but I'd be willing to bet money, lots of it. Some of you will tap me on the shoulder in the next few weeks and say, thank you for nudging me. My friend has come back and back and back and back. Real quick, my friend Johannes, been in our church about three years. Some of you guys know him, been in a small group with him. Joe is from Germany. He sent me a text this week and reminded me of how he came to my church. He said he was 
in a bumpy relationship, not married, trying to figure out uh, the next step, not going well, had gone out to Vegas, and he said, I was in a bar where I was most every night, whether I was in Vegas or elsewhere, and he said, I was having a conversation with someone, and they said, you know what, you should come to my church. You should come to church. And he said, around that time, I was, I was back in Columbus. He said, I got a, a, a My Church invitation, a flyer, a card that we did a mailer on. And on that title, it said, said uh, love, sex, and the gospel. That was what we called the, the relationship series that we did. He's a single guy. He's like, uh, I'll try that church. <laughs> he showed up that week. He said, I didn't believe anything you guys believed at that point. He said, but I came back. He said, I could not believe the music was so awesome. Uh, he said, the, the, the message was helpful. He said, people were kind to me. He said, no, I didn't show up by myself. I wouldn't have dared come by myself. I'm, 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 I'm almost re- reciting the text he sent me this week. I wouldn't have come by myself, but my friend met me who had been coming to this church, and I showed up. L- last year, I baptized Joe. He works at H&K. He's here from... He's here, loves our city, just got married like a few months ago. God has completely transformed Joe's life. I said, can I share your story this week? He said, nothing would make me more excited than to use use my story of someone inviting me to help somebody else invite their friends. My hope is is this. You have the power to change somebody else's forever. Let's get fired up. Chances are, You're going to say, hey, come to my church, and they're going to go, oh, yeah, I've got another friend who goes there. That happens to us all the time. So think about this. What if, what if, what if, what if God places somebody in your path this week for the point and the purpose of changing their forever through your story? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. God, I thank you that you gave your son Jesus to give us hope, hope of eternity. God, we have no idea how much longer it will be until you come back. So I pray, God, you would light us up on fire so that we could help every man, woman, and child find you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Won't you stand? We'll sing.